Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. One John chapter four. If you want to turn with me there, if you have your Bibles. One John chapter four, and this message I titled it Six Keys to the Christian Life." Six keys to the Christian life. One John chapter four, verse 16, and they're going to be on the board here. So I just want to remind us this morning, the last Sunday of 2020, that God is good regardless of what's happening in this world, regardless of what's happening in our lives, because he is so faithful. And you know, I like to, you know, people go on vacation to be refreshed, to be reminded, to just, you know, renew ourselves, right? So a few years back in 2016, we had flown over to Hawaii for a family gathering. It was the first time that my family had met as a group with all the siblings in, I don't know, eight years, eight, ten years. And so I was looking so forward to it. I had just started a new position with a company here in town, and uh, I had just been promoted up to management and uh, that position is very stressful because I was in charge of like uh, multiple accounts. And so you had to perform. It was a performance-based position. And so here I am performing out through the whole year. And I was looking forward to this getting away to be refreshed, to be reminded, to just be around people that I really, really love. I really love you guys here as my church. But, you know, when you grow up... Your family, your family in the Samoan culture, it's like family is everything to you. Like you, re, re, you represent your family name. Like my last name is Vienna, and so you meet other Samoan people, and they the first thing they'll say is, "What? What's your last name?" Because they recognize where your last name, what village or what uh, territory you're from. And I would tell them, and then it, then out of the blues, if they were old enough to rec- to uh, hear the different stories of the different islands and the different groups of uh of uh cities and towns in American Samoa, they would start naming your uncle, your this, your this. I remember like, wow, that is really cool. So that so as we were flying out to Hawaii, I was in this position, just we're going out there, and then we flew out of Phoenix. It was a long flight. It was about five, six hour flight. So you're flying there, and the anticipation, I'm like so looking forward to seeing my family and just experiencing. And then you see, it was nighttime when we landed. We're flying in, and then you just see this island, like all these lights all over the place. And then your heart just flutters. It's like, wow. It's like a word picture for me of how God loves us when we're far away. And then something happens in your life and you're coming back to him. And then all those, it's like when you first get saved, guys. Right? Can you remember the first time you got saved? How excited, how awesome he was, how you can, how you hungered for him. 
how you chase the, the teachings, the reading of God's word, how you look forward to those things. And so we were flying in, and I could just feel my spirit just relaxed, refreshed. We landed, and then the chaos happened. Our first key to understanding the Christian life, there are six keys to what I want to point out this morning. The first key is 1 John 4.16. God is love, right? Amen. 1 John 4.16 states this, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. John is writing, he's towards the end of his life right here, and he's encouraging the believers. This, this is a time that the Christians were being persecuted left and right, not the persecution that we face here. The persecution is death. You associate with Christianity, you associate with Jesus, it could cost you your life. Not only your life, it could cost you your whole family's life. So this is what they're experiencing. This is what John is writing. And he says, and we have known and believed the love of God has for us, God is love, and he who abides remains in love, abides in God, and God in him. Amen. So we got to understand the first key to the Christian life is God is love. Here's a definition of love. Love is an incredibly powerful word, right? When you're in love, you always want to be with that person. You always want to be together. And when you're not, you're thinking about being together, right? Amen. This just reminded me of like the first relationship that I had a crush on a girl. It's like when you're away from them, and this is the time where you had to go to a phone and actually dial. You don't have the cell phones. And how you stayed on the phone, and you're like, oh, lovey-dovey, oh, you hang up, you hang up. But anyways, that's what I'm thinking when I'm reading this. So... Because you need that person, and without them in your life, it's incomplete, right? So those of you who are married, you know that. When my wife was out there last week with my daughter, I really missed them. It's like my, my world wasn't complete because they weren't around for me to yell at and to get upset about. They weren't there to take that part of me. This love is unconditional affection with no limits or conditions, right? Completely loving someone, and that is hard to do at times. It's completely unselfish love for somebody. In the Greek, there's four different descriptions of love. There's eros, eros. This is an erotic, passionate love. And keep in mind, the God created love. He is love. And the world could take that love and pervert it. They could make it like eros, erotic. That's a passionate Enduring love for somebody. And the world could take it and just mess it up and create a whole new industry that is sinful. Then there's philia. Philia. The love of friends and equals. Jesus said, Jesus said to his disciples when he was on the way to the cross, I no longer call you, I, I call you my friends. I, I call you my equals. That's how much I love you guys. And then there is storge, the love of parents for children. You know, I've got a daughter, and uh, that love is just incredibly strong. No matter how much she messes up, it's like that love oversees all her mess-ups. Then we talk about the love that God has for us, the agape. Agape. Do you agape somebody? 
Like when we really look into those descriptions of love, it's really amazing. Agape, God loved mankind so much. He loves you and I. If you're in the family of God, we praise God because he loves us. He continually loves us. If you don't know God this morning, if you're not a part of the family of God, he's got a present for you. His name is Jesus. The agape love. So I want to go to 1 Corinthians, because I want to define what this love is, right? So we all know this, 1 Corinthians 13, they use this scripture many times in the uh, when we have weddings and stuff. And so we see right here, this is the description that I want us to use as far as, as a, a description of love. And this is not, this is what God looks like. Love suffers long. And is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. When God, when we think of the word love, this is what our definition should be of. Let's not get caught up in what the world considers what love is. Let's not water down what love really is. Love is God. And we have to be reminded this morning as believers that God is love. It's not part of God. He is love. When we speak about love, we speak that God is love. 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a definition of love according to what God's word says. So this is how we define what love is. So we got to understand that John and the disciples were eyewitness to Jesus, right? John lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus, experienced Jesus. So I think if anybody could talk about Jesus' love, it should be John. John is... uh, an elderly person now, and he's on the last probably years of his life. And he's writing to believers to encourage them. God is love. He wants to make the point, and I want to make the point to us that God is love, regardless of the situation that we're in. John and the disciples were eyewitnesses to Jesus. And John says, you know what? Not only that, I've known And we have known, John says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. John experienced Jesus' love. He lived and walked with Jesus. He believed in Jesus. He trusted in Jesus. He saw Jesus go to death on the cross, was buried. He saw Jesus raised from the dead, and he was there when Jesus ascended into heaven. It's as sure... What John is telling these guys, I am for sure, I can go to the grave, you can kill me, you can do whatever you want to me. I know, I know, I know Jesus is alive. And if there's no other person that can come alongside and bring evidence to the life of Jesus, to the death of Jesus, it is John. And John is telling them, because they're being persecuted, they're being put to death, he's telling them, guys, Hold on. God is love. you got to be reminded of that as believers. God is love. 
To know Jesus is to know love. John experienced Jesus on earth. And John is telling us to abide, to remain, to come under his love. When life happens, when COVID happens, when relationships break up, when things happen in your life that are hard, abide in Jesus. Sometimes we can get those things complicated. I've got to do this, do that, do that. The Spirit of God, we forget, lives in us. Are we abiding in Jesus? That is the first key that I want to go over on that. God is love. And the second key we are going to see is in... As soon as I find it here... There's no greater love, right? There's no greater love. We'll go to the next scripture. John 15, 13. John 15, 13. And this is Jesus talking. He's telling his disciples. This is Jesus had just finished washing the disciples' feet. And he's speaking with them. Judas is going to betray him. And Jesus is telling them this. After you're living with this guy for three Three or so years, you've seen him do miracle after miracle. You've seen him live this life. You've seen him uh, show compassion and love. You've seen him. You lived with him. You experienced him. And this is what he's going to tell them. Tell them. He's telling them, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Remember, Jesus is the teacher, and they are the students and their relationship is a student-teacher relationship. They're, call, they're calling him rabbi, but yet Jesus go, breaks it down. And he says, you know what? I'm not greater than you guys. I consider you my friends. There is no distinguish between you and me. And Jesus, well, that is the greatest love anybody can, can give to another person. And we see that in the movies, Right? Like in the action movies, somebody has to die to save people. And they say, man, that was a good guy. That's like the, you know, that's the outcome of a good action movie is like the guy dies and he saves many people. And you see how the world has taken the type of love that Jesus wants us to have for one another and glorified itself with. Because we love with conditions, right? We, we, we really do. I'm not, I, I don't know about you, but it happens for me. I love conditionally depending who you are in my life. Like I love my wife more than I have love for any other person in this world. Like I love my daughter more. Just think of your relationships, like my friends, my coworker. I love them, Lord. Not as much as I love the people that I'm closer to, but I love them. And Jesus is defining what true meaning of love is. Ultimately, is giving your life. Not so much giving our life to die for somebody, but what about giving your life to being coming alongside somebody who's hurting? What about giving our life to... When we hear certain things about a certain person or, or you're 
You don't want to be, you want to cover up people's sins. How about giving our life for that? Seeing another believer, another brother, another sister struggle. How about coming alongside and covering up for them? Praying for them. We don't have to necessarily give our life. In death, we give our life here while we're alive. And so Jesus is telling them the ultimate definition of what we learn from 1 John 4 is the ultimate love that we have for people is our life. And thank God we don't experience that as believers here in Lubbock, Texas. Because ultimately we can give our money, we can give our time, we can give our resources, but we're not called to give our lives here. Right? Not yet anyways, but we can see slowly how our country is changing. But we thank God. But there's our brothers and sisters in Africa, Sudan, in the Middle East, Indonesia. My brother, he goes out there, he goes out there on mission trips. And he tells me what these people are experiencing. And I'm like, I have no clue of what our brothers and sisters go through over there. They don't give their lives. I mean... We don't give our lives for each other here as far as physical, but we can do it emotionally, spiritually. But over there, they ultimately give their lives for Jesus. Because if you are associated with Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian or a believer, you can die for that. And I thank God that we don't have to ultimately get to a place where we sacrifice ourselves for one another. Thank God that we live in the United States and the freedom and the resources that we have here. So Jesus is saying there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for another. We define what love is. We know what love looks like. God is love and he's telling and he's telling ultimately every one of us ultimate love is laying down your life for one another. It's easy for us as believers when another believer is down or, you know, their life is just not good for them right now. And we don't do anything about it. We don't pray for them when the Holy Spirit senses something's wrong. And I know he does you because he does me. It's like, what are you going to do with that? Do we ultimately, ultimately love our brothers and sisters enough to care, to reach out, to pray? Or do we love with expectations? Right? There's no greater love, Jesus is telling us. They were loved by Jesus. John 15, 9, as we go to the next point, we are loved by Jesus. John 15, 9 says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus loved us with his life, death, and resurrection. Because he lives, his love lives within us as believers. His love lives in you. My question is, have you accepted that gift? Have you accepted the gift of love, ultimate love that Jesus has for you? And the question is, how do we respond to others when Jesus loved us with his own life, right? Yeah. I'm not trying to make us guilty that's or shameful. I just want to challenge us this, this coming year, the next few weeks, the next days. I want to challenge you. 
I want to challenge you. It was, it was hard going through these scriptures because, you know, you read these and you take what God's word says and you're like, what do I do with this God? Do I read these words and nothing happens in my life? There's no change. There's no love that, or what is it? Do I just read it and become callous to it? I pray to God that we're not like that. So how do we respond to others when Jesus loved us with his own life? Jesus is the ultimate example of what we look to for love, right? So in John chapter 15 and 16, this is the discourse on the way to Gethsemane. This is the like the last few days, few hours that Jesus is alive before he puts he goes to death. And in chapter 15 and 16, the idea that keeps recurring in these chapters are that the disciples must love one another. That is the key point Jesus is making in 15 and 16. This is the end of his life. These guys have been walking with Jesus, and he's reminding them that you guys need to love one another. Jesus' theme is all about love. Love overcomes every obstacle in this world. It really does, guys. So the idea that keeps recurring in these chapters are that the disciples must must love one another, that they must keep Christ's commandments, that they must abide in Jesus, that they must expect pruning and persecution. Have you been pruned this year? Have you been persecuted this year? Has God done a work in your life where he's able to grow you up in your faith? The disciples, they must expect pruning and persecution. So must we. That is what's necessary for Jesus to, and Jesus telling me, it's necessary for me to go away because he was going to bring the Holy Spirit. He would take his, the Holy Spirit was going to take Jesus' place, that their sorrow, which they were going to be feeling because Jesus go on his way to death, their sorrow would be re- returned to joy, and that in his absence, wondrous answers to their prayers would be granted. Jesus, the blessed master, going into the depths of his own sorrow and suffering, was doing his best to comfort his disciples. The disciples did not know what they signed up for. During this time, Jesus knew he's on the way to the cross, and he's telling his disciples, I no longer call you my disciples, I call you my friends. Not only that, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Guys, as believers, when it comes down to it, that is the commandment that we should strive after. Because if we do and pursue those to love one another, everything else falls into place, right? You don't have to, you don't have to uh, get up in the morning and say, I'm going to do A, B, and C, and then love is there. No, you get up in the morning and you love your wife. If you had an argument beforehand or something's messed up, you choose to love them. Choose to show grace. Choose mercy. Choose to grow up as a man and admit your faults, which I still struggle with. So key number one, God is love, right? There's no greater love than the love that Jesus showed us. And we are loved by Jesus. And now here's the next key point. We're loved by the Father. 
This is I memorized this scripture, I think, when I was like a third, second grade, John 3.16. You guys all know this. Do we all know this? Do we all know it? Okay, let's all say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know what God, God is love. We see the definition of love. Jesus tells us there's no greater love than to lay down our lives for one another. We're loved by Jesus. We're loved by the Father. The Father planned in Ephesians chapter 1, if you get a chance, go read it. The Father, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all over those scriptures. The Father planned the church, right? He knew mankind was going to mess up. He planned the church. The Son paid for the church. Jesus paid for the church. And the Holy Spirit builds and protects the church. And you could read that in Ephesians chapter 1. The love of the Father is available to a fallen world. Are we living in that state now? Did, uh, we look around. I mean, we're in Lubbock, Texas. I don't experience what they're going through in California. I've got relatives out there. And every time we have a conversation with me and my brother or somebody else in California, I'm like, why don't you all move to Texas? You know, you don't have to be locked down. You don't have to do this. But you know what? God is out there, too. God is doing a mighty work out there. God needs believers in California. God needs believers in China because he's got a work to do. The love of the Father is available to a fallen world. In this world, is fallen. It's broken. We can cover up with our... We, people cover the brokenness with whatever they want to cover it with, but it will never go away until you ultimately come to Jesus for it. The Father gave his son for you and me. He gave Jesus. Whoever is all those who believe, there's no distinguish. All peoples, all mankind. Can you imagine that? Like we worship in English, right? I forget the time in, in American Samoa, in the islands, like there's no instruments. All the people go to church, they gather, and they sing hymns. Like the old school hymns from, from uh, you know, the London Missionary Society when they came out there and brought the gospel. No instruments. You hear all these people sometimes. Look it up. You can go to YouTube. Someone prays. And it's like a different tongue worshiping God. There's people that speak Spanish in the Spanish language that's worshiping God. Portuguese. Chinese, Japanese, Indonesia, many different tongues and languages different than us are worshiping God. Can you imagine that, people? Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? We think, we think, we only think of what we see, we know, and see. But have you experienced worship in another culture? You know? You go to Africa and they worship totally different. They actually believe in actual miracles. If you're sick, they actually believe that they can pray and you could be healed. Why? Because they don't have 
they don't have hospitals and medicine they can run to. They don't have the doctors they can go to right away. They actually believe that if somebody is really sick, that they can go to the elders of the church or go have a body of believers pray for them, and they can be healed, and it happens. Can you imagine that? Many different tongues and languages. We're loved by the Father. Can you see that? In this scripture, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, people, that there was only one way to save them. There was only one way to save people, and that was his son, Jesus Christ. Like this is a God who spoke the universe. We go outside, we look up in the stars, he created all that stuff. We look at the world, we look at the animals, we look at the oceans, like all that was, he spoke those things into existence. And yet, the only way that he could save us is with his son. Because he loved his creation, his world so much, he made a way to bring you and me back to him. And that's through his son, Jesus. And we as believers, we need to have that bold statement. There is no other way than Jesus. Like I love my other, I love my other fellow people, but when it comes down to it, there's no other person, no other thing, no other religion, no other nothing that can save you but Jesus Christ. Your parents can't save you, your religious, your coming to church. All that stuff, those are all going to happen if you love Jesus, if you're in the part of the family. But none of that stuff can save you, only Jesus Christ. That is it, guys, only Jesus Christ. So we're loved by Jesus, we're loved by the Father. Now we go to Romans 5.5, we're loved through the Spirit. So can you get a theme here? God is love, we know what the definition of love is. There's, we know what the ultimate love looks like, and that's giving yourself your, your life for one another. We're loved by Jesus, loved by the Father. Now, we're loved through the Spirit. Romans 5, 5, this is what it says. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The Holy Spirit who was given to us people. And I really love Romans 5.5 because it breaks everything down. So if you have your Bibles, if you're there, go to Romans 5.5 because I'm going to open up this scripture because we need to understand the scriptures before this. Okay? So let me put my glasses on. Romans 5.5, 5, are you there? Yes. Okay, Romans 5.5, 5, chapter, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace, into which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 
And then Paul, and then Paul says, not only that, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Are we in tribulations today, people? Knowing that tribulation, this is what should happen when trials and tribulations come our way as the people of God. This is what it should look like. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And five says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Ain't it amazing when we think that we found God when God ultimately finds us? <laughs> it's like nothing that we do. The faith that we have to believe in God is from God. We are gifted faith to believe. Not only that, we have been justified. It's not just as if you never sin. Is God looks at you, you never sin because you're in Jesus. Amen. What Jesus paid ultimately is for our benefit. Not only that, we have peace with God. Have you ever been in a situation where there's no peace? You're in a relationship, there's no peace in that relationship? Like, when you see somebody that you have issues with, there's just that, oh, I can't stand being around this certain person. But God's telling us, I have peace with you. You know, you don't have to pursue peace. Your peace is there. We just have to go and believe it and understand it. And we have the peace of God. Not only that, you have access to his grace. <laughs> we have direct communication with the Father. We have access to his grace. We have the hope of glory of God. And we glory in tribulations because we ultimately know the hope of glory. So this right here shows us that the Father loves us. God the Father, God the Son loves us. God the Father loves us. The Holy Spirit has poured out God's love into your, into you and I's hearts. And another saying that my Auntie Mele always said was to live as Christ, to die as gain. She lived for Christ. And when she died, she ultimately was alive. Yes. And she's experiencing that today. Amen. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Because God's love was poured out in our hearts. We should live with this in mind, regardless of what we live through. Right? Regardless of what ha- what's happening. I mean, even though life is hard, life is tough. People are just crazy. Man, you and I should be the ones showing joy in our sphere of influence at work, in church, in our neighborhood. You know, they should just see Jesus in us. Okay, we're going to close it out with Romans chapter 8. And he's going to put up the last scripture there and we'll go. We'll go through this. I love Romans 8. Who loves Romans 8? You always hear Romans, what, 8, 1 quoted every single time.
So Romans 8, Paul's writing in 31, he says, What then shall we say to these things? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall we, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Ain't that amazing, you guys? Like God gave us everything that we need, and that's his son Jesus. And everything else benefits from that. All the benefits that we have, the hope, the faith, the grace, walking in love, his love, it all comes with this person, with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Who shall bring a charge against us, against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God. This is what Jesus is doing for you and I today as we're here. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. (laughs) Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Believer, who's going to separate you from the love of Jesus? It's not your work. It's, It's his work. When you feel guilty and ashamed because you've sinned or you've lived in sin or walking in sin, salvation wasn't brought to you because of you. Salvation was brought to you because Jesus brought it to you. And there's a grace that's available to you and I that we can come to and come back to him. It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing can. Not COVID, not sin, not anything else, if you are in Christ. Then he says in 35, shall tribulation, we're experiencing tribulation now. Shall distress, we're in distress. Shall persecution, have you been persecuted this year? Shall famine, nakedness, peril, sore? We see that in the news We see that all over the news. We see that governments are just shaken. They don't know what to do. Paul's writing, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, in 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that you are more than a conqueror, that the battles and the tribulations that are already, that are before us have already been conquered in Jesus? Do we walk in that? That's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling myself. Do we believe that? Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, Paul saying, for I am persuaded there's nothing that anyone can do in my assurance, in the knowing that I know that I know I am persuaded. That neither death, death is an enemy of every living being on this earth. Eventually, you and I will get there. If you're alive today, praise God. Because he allowed you to breathe and get up this morning. 
There's people dying at our hospitals right now. Like I think I read somewhere, like every 10 seconds or so, somebody dies. Somebody dies. Like, where are they going? Did they know Jesus? Paul saying, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When the, the worship team will go ahead and come on up, I'm going to close out. So just in a recap... In the recap, we know that God is love, right? Do we understand that this morning? God is love. Like we, when we think about love, that's what God is. God is love. We define what love is. First Corinthians chapter 13. We understand and we know that God has a love that he shows for us. Not only that, Jesus tells us, hey guys, there's no greater love than to do this. His ultimate example was going to the cross for you and I. That's what love looks like, and that's what Jesus says. And he tells his disciples, I no longer call you my disciples. I no longer call you my students. You are my friends. Come sit at my table. He's inviting you this morning. If you haven't sat at his table or if you don't know him, he's inviting you. Come sit at my table. We're loved by Jesus. We see that in Scripture. We're loved by the Father, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In the church, as an organization, we make it so complicated for people to come to Jesus. It's his spirit that awakens people to himself. We're loved by the Father. Not only that, He gave us the Holy Spirit. He poured out His Holy Spirit. He poured out His love through the Holy Spirit in us. I'm so blown away by that. Like nothing will ever take away. John writes it in 1 John. He says, those who walk away, they were never of of us. Listen, when we give our lives to God... It's his work. He sustains us. It's his. That should free us to love him because we see the love that he has for us. Love by Jesus, love by the Father, the Holy Spirit poured God's love in us. And there's no separation from his love. I don't care what you've done. If you've called on Jesus Christ... There's no separation from his love. There's nothing that you can do. The question is, is the Holy Spirit in you? Have you ever accepted him? Are you sealed? Once that happens, there's nothing that can separate. Ultimately, death comes to every person. And we ultimately see that this year. But Jesus conquered death. So let's walk in Jesus this year, the rest of this year, the rest of our lives. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us, and then the worship team will close us out. Father, I'm so grateful for your love. 
God, I thank you that you are love. The world tries to define love in their own ways, but you are love. You showed us what love looks like. Thank you, there's no greater love than the love that you showed when Jesus went to the cross for every single one of us here, for his church. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us. Thank you that you call us your friends, your brothers and sisters. Father, thank you that you loved us and you gave your son Jesus. Thank you that you've given us the gift of your Holy Spirit. You poured out your love in us when we were lost and ashamed and alone and all that stuff. You loved us. Thank you there's no separation from your love, Father. I am truly blessed and truly encouraged by the power of your word. And I pray that my brothers and sisters, those who are feeling down, or they may feel have an awesome walk with you, I thank you and I praise you for that. And as we close this morning, for those of you who don't know who Jesus is, I pray that you would come to accept him this morning. It's his work that saves you. It's his life that saves you. And all you have to do is simply call out to him. Jesus, save me. I'm broken, lost. I can't save myself. Go before me. Help me. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and his life. In his name, we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.